I V M. Hello everyone, you're listening to Triangle of Fans. I'm Monish. I have Nishant here with me as we look back at an intense day of the playoffs. We'll be talking about the Raptors and the Celtics. At one point, it didn't look like the Raptors would score even 60. We'll also talk about an incredible game between the Clippers and the Nuggets. The Nuggets grabbing all the highlights in this game. Jokic turning quarterback. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. throwing a monster dunk. But the highlight of the game was Kawhi Leonard giving a middle finger block to deny Jamal Murray. That probably was a decider at the game at the end. A lot to look forward to. Also, we'll be looking at the games uh, that are happening later today. Milwaukee take on the Heat in a must-win game yet again. And uh, we also have the Lakers and the Rockets, part three. All that and more in today's episode of Triangle Offense. First up, the Raptors. Hey Nishant, in the first five minutes yesterday, the Raptors were two out of 15 of the shots went in. They went behind 18-5 and from there on it was a chase. I mean, they would never catch Celtics, would they? That seems like a running team in this uh, in this playoffs, right? Over the last few days, we've seen teams that get a huge jump start in the first quarter just run away with it after that. Uh, the most startling example of that being Denver Nuggets that got a monster first half lead against the Clippers in one game. And then they got outscored in every single quarter after that and they still won the game. Like It was good enough to see them through. Uh, that that trend seems to continue, except uh, for Boston, not only did they have a huge first quarter deficit, they also had a very, very big second quarter also. And then yeah. it was just game over by then. It was 20 plus at the half and, and it kind of remained there. Um, it was almost 30 plus because what, yeah. it was 60 to 35 at the end of the half and 35 is like the lowest score ever in a half this playoff, this this year in the playoffs and that's how bad they were. Raptors scored 11 in the first quarter. They don't deserve to win if you <laughs> score 11 in a quarter. Yeah, it was, it was bad. There's nothing There's nothing to say. There's not a stat category where they come out looking looking smart. I, I think the, the outside scoring was pretty average from both teams. Both yeah. teams put up a high volume of shots. Neither was really quite sinking, sinking from outside. Where the game was won and lost was essentially the number of times that Boston forced fouls. Because I, there, there came a point where it looked like Toronto just ran out of options on defense and all they could do was end up fouling the, the Celtics. Because they went to the line 27 times, converted 24 of those, and that gave a huge cushion to them. Those free throws, because Toronto, like we discussed before with Nick Nurse, right, this seems to be a conscious effort to, to have faster players in their half-court sets mm-hmm. and put up more short attempts because they know the shot's not falling. And it was yet another night of just miserable shooting overall. So they continued to do that thing where they put up shots faster. They use lesser of the 24 seconds on the shot clock on each offensive move. They still hit converted like garbage. So they trailed a bit there. But it was really free throws where with without using the clock, Boston were able to, to get like an upper hand of 13 or 14 points. That's the deficit on free throws. And that's too too much of an uphill task. To overcome that, when you're already shooting like garbage, to give up three points without the clock being used up, and that that, that really was the theme of the uh, the game for me. Toronto looked bad. They had an off night. I mean, there's no other way around it. And they're now one game away from defeat. I think Boston should close this out in six. If this goes to a game seven, Boston really have made a mess of this series. Given that they were leading two nil, 
they looked yeah. to be cruising they allowed the raptors to come back in a game they shouldn't have won with that anunobi shot that should have been game over after kemba hit highs with that pass they shouldn't yeah. have let that happen they let it happen it still makes no sense to me it still blows my mind why they would pull zone defense <laughs> on the last play when they know they're going to go for a three why would you have zone defense and not just go man to man each guy picks a guy and makes it as hard for them to get a shot off as possible without falling it still blows my mind i didn't get it so boston allowed this series to come to 2-2 they allowed uh, this to be a lot tighter than it deserves to be if they don't close this out in 6 i'm not sure if, if they're even worthy of going to the finals yeah boston seemed to have these switches right i mean they were they were terrific in the first two games they just outbled the raptors and then even the third game they were kind of running away with it until that anobi shot like you said but then they kind of switched off uh, at the last at the end in the third game they switched off entirely in the fourth game and this game again they came out and blitzed the raptors so if they switch off in game 6 it's going to be an interesting one the raptors came out totally looking energized yesterday they seemed intent uh, jalen brown who was harsh on himself after the previous game he came out and put a terrific performance got 27 odd points kemba walker got 20 uh, 20 plus points tatum getting 18 thais getting 15 smart getting 12 wonamek is getting 10 so almost everyone contributing out there uh, but for the toronto raptors it was a total no show out there i think kyle lowry got 10 points which is wow i mean for someone like lowry to get 10 points you're not winning after that yeah i i'm really impressed and that's the thing about the boston celtics right they have as we've said multiple times the most well balanced starting five in basketball and then when their bench starts supporting them like they did toronto's bench showed up big too by the way norman paul great game from him matt thomas chipped in with a few points but the thing about boston and this is what makes them so dangerous is you can have players having an off night like jalen brown didn't have a great game before this this game he showed up you can have players that kind of have an off night but they've got just such incredible depth we talk about the clippers a lot but these guys are not bad huh i mean wanamaker and smart combined for a near 30 Uh, 30 yeah. points and these are not your first two three or even fourth scoring option they combine for 30 points marcus smart another underrated performance 12 points 7 rebounds 6 assists and a terrific defensive night again yeah he was pretty phenomenal highly efficient scoring too i might add yeah i read somewhere that he could uh, i read somewhere that marcus smart could steal a baby from his mother's hands that's how <laughs> good he was i mean i think uh, it was siakam who was going for a dunk and he just stole the ball out of his hand <laughs> Yeah, he's incredible. He's he's an amazing defender. He's, when he's not flopping, he's actually a pretty pretty amazing <laughs> defender. So so him coming up at twelve seven six, fifteen points a piece from Wanamaker and Tyus. That's just priceless. That's over and above whatever Jalen Brown and Tatum and Kemba can give you. That's unbelievable. And you're telling me you can add Gordon Hayward to this? It, it's yeah. just astounding the number of options they have, and that's kind of their strength because one guy can have an off game, two guys can have an off game. they still have three more guys that can get to about 70 70 80 points in that game and all you need is a 10 or 20 from from the other two who are not having great games because you know that your defense can step up and shut the other team down when they need to i love this team i really do i, I love the depth i love all of the support crew showing up whenever they need it the most one guy has an off game somebody always shows up to make it count on offense and then stifles the other team on defense nothing but positives for boston from this game I think this should be over. Like I said, at Toronto, they 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 fought back. They showed some grit. They dug in for two games. But even in those two games, one of them at least, it shouldn't have been a Toronto win. They they had yeah. a slice of fortune there. They made their own luck, you could say, but they had a slice of fortune there. 
this this is just uh, i mean atrocious these are the defending champions kyle lowry and pascal siakam combining for less points than kemba in a game that, that's you're gone that's over because you still have to then account for jalen brown and tatum and all of the other guys from boston are going to score and step up um it, and this is just a frustration growing in the raptors camp right kyle lowry uh, pulling up a technical on tatum and then sorry he pulled up a personal foul first and then he had some words to say after which the referee threw a technical on him ibaka got frustrated shouted at lowry and then van leet was playing the peacemaker so you could see that the the frustration was rising and it's never a good sign when you're trailing and you need a comeback uh when you it kind of shows that you've given up right yeah and this is where leadership counts we keep talking about who's the alpha who's the one guy that's the captain the, the one voice that everyone else listens to on that raptors team there is no one right now it's yeah. open it's anybody's guess who their one leader is who's the one guy that's the voice of reason when he needs to be there's no one and and this is exactly what you see when leadership fails to take control or there doesn't exist a strong leader a clear leader that everyone signed off on you're going to have these moments where each one just acts as an individual and then the troublemakers are troublemakers peacemakers are peacemakers to each their own individual attributes but there's no one unifying voice there and it should of course they're frustrated i they should be <laughs> but with a strong leader this would have not this would have happened if kawai was on the court or a lebron or anyone who who marshals his troops even a rondo for that matter they don't have a leader and that's their biggest problem right now because not everything is going to come from from beyond the line beyond the touch line not everything's on the coach once the ball gets rolling you need someone there to call the shots to marshal the troops they don't have anyone that's their biggest problem throughout the series and it continues absolutely in the second game yesterday we saw playoff p uh, finally turn up he led the clippers uh, incredible scoring night they were shooting around 54% of the shots and uh, they took 19 attempts less than the nuggets it must be said they took 19 attempts and just scored one shot less than the nuggets that is inc- that is an incredible scoring night right jokic was running riot he, uh, the clippers had no answers for the big guy he put on a 32 16 8 stat sheet uh, he was well supported by his support cast michael porter junior turning up big time yesterday 18 points 10 rebounds jamal murray had kind of an off night but he pulled out like nine assists and 14 points gary harris actually was really impressive yesterday he put like 10 points only but he had six assists and four steals as well so he was really impressive end of the day but it was clippers depth again showing through kawai leonard with that monster i mean it's not a monster but it's an unbelievable block how can you block with one finger when jamal murray was going full strength with the basket he was going to dunk and then out of nowhere kawai leonard's finger denied that yeah i'm going to rant and wax eloquent about that block later because i know there's a forum to bring up that block and i'm going to bring up that block and nothing else in that forum speaking of the t- there's so many talking points man in this game first of all this is a series now I, you know i thought clippers should win this easy but the way denver have been playing barring that game one this this really is a fight it may end in 5 6 maybe go to 7 let's see but this is a fight every game is going to be worth watching and that's all one can ask for in the playoffs why do i say that just look at the number of talking points here right first of all from the clippers paul george playoff p finally finally yeah. this this is the paul george that that made him a superstar in indiana when Okay so every year all they did was go to the finals and get bounced out by LeBron James and the Heat right but they got to the finals and they put up some really strong fights against uh, losing to that super team it's never going to be a shame so a playoff p back 
bench scoring as strong as ever. Kawhi Leonard, just wow. 23, 14 and 6 from Mr. Load Management. That's insane. That's insane. And and more than the, the points or how and when he scored them. Because his three shooting was off. That's the only thing that yeah. kept him from getting a 30-piece. Kawhi Leonard's biggest strength is also the Clippers' biggest strength. Which is, no matter the momentum of the game, no matter who's hot on the other end, when they need to decide and get a stop, they get a stop. Period. No questions asked. They're probably the only team outside of a fully healthy, highly motivated Milwaukee that can do that in the NBA right now. They decide to get a stop, they get a stop. No question about it. And that is largely driven by Kawhi, but they have multiple guys that can do that and they do it as a unit. And that's what we, sh- we saw shine through because for the large part, Jokic was running right. Even with an underperforming um, Jamal Murray, we saw Jokic, Jokic run right. The only thing that separated the teams at the end of the day was the fact that clutch in the fourth quarter, when the Clippers needed to shut down the Denver Nuggets offense, they did. They got some transition points. It kind of defined their game and they won. As uh, as Coach Malone pointed out in the post-game presser, they got 30 points off of transition uh, offense, the Clippers. 30 points off of transition. So it's not just that they get stops when they need to and, and clutch moments. They convert those into opportunities at the other end and they, and they score. And those 30 points in transition, that just destroys you. That's Miami Heat level. That's LeBron and the Heat back in the day. That's just too much to contend. Despite all of that, it, it was a tight game, decided on a couple of plays in the end. What I'm seeing from Denver continues to blow my mind. Their best scorer, Jamal Murray, had a total off night on scoring. Yeah, And they still came within six uh, and, and within the last minute of a game against the Clippers who were firing on all cylinders. This wasn't a Clippers team with excuses. That's astounding. Full credit to Michael Porter Jr. I, I think he'd be mighty disappointed that he didn't get more minutes. I fully agree that Jeremy Grant needs to start ahead of him just because of his defensive presence. Michael Porter Jr. is a zero on, on defense. Mm-hmm. So, Jeremy Grant deserves a starting position. But he, surely he doesn't deserve... It doesn't. Nothing explains why he played 42 minutes and Michael Porter Jr. only 23. When in those 23 minutes, this guy finished with an 18-10. 10 rebounds, let's not forget that. That was a double-double performance. 18-10 against Jeremy Grant's 11-3. No amount of defense is going to justify that kind of disparity. Double the minutes, uh, half the points nearly, no contribution on rebounds. It, it didn't make sense. I would, I'd like to see Michael Porter Jr. a little more. Off the bench for sure, but a little more involved in the game. Because he's another one of those guys that the Clippers are finding it hard to guard. I'll close yeah. out with Jokic. What do we say about this guy? He's, he's one of those unicorn big men that the Clippers just cannot handle. They don't know what to do with these big men that can dribble, pass and stretch to the perimeter. They have no answer. That continues to be the case. There's a long list of people who can exploit this. There's Anthony Davis and now there's Nikola Jokic. They have zero answers. No clue whatsoever. Clippers. You you saw some of those threes that Jokic was raining on them. Zubac didn't yeah. even know if he should put a hand up. That's how clueless he is <laughs> on the perimeter. They, they, this guy's a problem. And I, I don't think Clippers know how to handle it. If they continue to, to stifle Jamal Murray, then they're in with a shot. But if Murray can get even a half-decent 20-plus point piece, these guys really can't stop Jokic. And so, for that reason, they're always going to be in the game. I had one thing to ask about Jokic, though. Would he be an insane player? I mean, unstoppable player if he was a little bit better on defense? Because you saw his offensive play yesterday. He was running the strings. He was passing it out like a quarterback and all that. He was pulling out threes. But when it comes to defense, he kind of seems a bit off. I mean, he's not will, He's not the guy who's going to 
put his body out there like a Rudy Gobert, you could say, and block all those shots. He's not that kind of a center, right? He's a totally different center from your regular center man. Yeah, he he's more like a six-five guard that kind of was born into the body of a big guy. I don't know how that that <laughs> happened. Um, yeah, but hey, man, I, I mean, he's human. It, it it would be a bit too much if he had that side to his game also. And if he can develop that, God bless the league, because that's an MVP, Finals MVP, everything in one season. If Nikola Jokic develops, wouldn't it be a dream combination if you had everything that Nikola Jokic has right now? But you replaced yeah. his defense with Rudy Gobert's defensive abilities. That'd just be the most unstoppable. That's Shaq. Shaq reborn, yeah. kind of configured to the modern era with three shooting and all of that. That's Shaq level dominance if he if he has that to his game. Looking forward to see if he can develop it. But he, but even otherwise, he's not a bad defender exactly. He's just not as good as he needs to be for his size and his position. But he doesn't get exploited all that much yet. I think uh, Denver have bigger problems than that. Uh, when it comes to playing against a team as strong as the Clippers, but I mean it's the dream. If if Jokic can defend even a bit like Gobert, it's over for the league. Yeah, absolutely. Talking about MVPs, and uh, do you think Giannis will play today? We have a big game, Game Five of Bucks versus Heat. Heat uh, looking to wrap the series up. Bucks looking to stay alive. If Giannis doesn't play, it's going to be Chris Middleton again, along with Eric Bledsoe and the gang. But if Yanis plays, it could be interesting, right? I mean, is he fully fit? Is he risking himself a long-term injury? Uh, he's still listed as game-time decision, so the Bucks have not ruled him out yet, although it seemed very unlikely that he would play today. This is such a tricky situation because these are how franchises are made and broken. Decisions like these. We saw Golden State Warriors face a catch-22 like this last year. On one hand, they could get a three-peat, Third straight finals, they were up against the Toronto Raptors. And with Durant and Clay Thompson fit, there's no way Toronto have any chance in that series, even with Kawhi Leonard. Now, they had a choice. Do they continue resting these guys or do they bring them back and, and go for broke? They've not been very smart in the past either. They went for that 73-9 and record at the expense of their season pretty much, as it turned out in retrospect. They forced Durant into playing. Guy gets injured and that's a career-ending, career-threatening injury. And it still remains to be seen if he's going to come back as the same KD from that injury, right? Milwaukee are faced with some such catch-22 right now. Because Giannis, given how he is, if there's even a 10% chance that he can't play, he's going to come and play. Yeah, Like, he doesn't care. He's fiercely competitive like that. So, he's going to want to come and play. Now, as a franchise, do you stop him? Because if this was a franchise like Chicago Bulls did with Jordan or like the Pelicans do with Zion, when you know that you have this guy long-term, and your franchise, he's everything for your franchise. He is the franchise. You're not going to risk it. No matter what, you'll say, it's fine, we'll come back next season. But Milwaukee don't know that for sure. In all probability, if they get bounced out now, they lose Giannis. They're either going to have to trade him now or lose him for nothing, take that risk next season and go for broke. So it, it's it's such a tricky situation right now. The wise thing would be to rest Giannis if there's any chance that he'll injure himself further seriously. But... There's too many disincentives there for Milwaukee to do that and way too many incentives for them to take the risk. And the fact that Giannis himself would would die and just jump onto the court if there's even a 10% chance that he's allowed to play. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out because it's not an easy decision at all. Common sense says he shouldn't play if there's a risk of a greater injury because that could be career-threatening. But something tells me he's going to show up. If there's even a remote chance that he can play, he is going to play. What, What I would like to see 
is if the medical team can work some sort of miracle and and bring back Giannis to a level of fitness where he's on some meds or whatever, but he can play at the level that he can play. Because what we saw in those eleven minutes of him on the court in the previous game was special. He played like he was possessed, and I want to see more of that. But if that means risking losing Giannis long term, absolutely not. Maybe they'll have him on a minutes restriction. Maybe play like twenty five minutes or twenty minutes or something like that. If anyone can can put in an MVP level performance in twenty five minutes, it's Giannis. So he's he's probably the <laughs> best guy the to put. Season, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's pretty much him on in the regular season. So if there's anyone who can deliver the goods on a minutes restriction, it's him. Absolutely. In the other game today, the later game today, the Lakers take on Rockets. But uh, one person I'll be looking at very closely in this game is Russell Westbrook. He's been out of bounds. He's averaged 16 points, eight rebounds, four assists since his return up from injury in the playoffs, and also averaged around four turnovers every game. And uh, he's someone who should, who's an MVP caliber player, right? And for him to be running around in circles is really, uh, really unheard of. I think uh, he'll be looking to make amends to his performances so far and be the, be the guy that Rockets look up to along, uh, be the support cast to James Harden. You could say because Harden's not winning this alone; he needs the support. from westbrook yeah i think it's a he, he's a bit of a misfit in this in this current strategy that the houston are playing with because he doesn't shoot the three and that's just a one liner that's enough to to make him a misfit in that rockets team he's also very he's almost kobe bryant like in the sense that he's an uncoachable talent sometimes you ask him to bend to the team's ways and he doesn't he's he's just stubborn like that and he's great so he gets to he gets away with a lot of that too so i think somewhere in there i don't think dantoni is the kind of coach to bend uh, russell westbrook to his will i don't think he has those kind of cojones and they're kind of caught in the crossfire the houston rockets because right now russell westbrook continues to play his game houston have made zero amendments to accommodate russell westbrook's game into their offense and as a result you have him shooting these garbage threes or just getting cordoned off when he runs in because the second he runs in houston have so much spacing that he has nobody to pass through pass to in case he gets into trouble trouble his only option is to kick it out and a smart team like the lakers and we saw this on game 2 frank vogel is a great defensive coach he knows how to anticipate these things they move to zone instantly whenever russell westbrook is on the court they just drop their man to man and they go zone why because you know where the houston players are going to be most of them are going to be you know tucker's going into that corner you know eric gordon's going to be somewhere at the top of the key and make those cuts james harden well you can know but you're not going to stop him if he wants to score but everyone else you know how they're going to space out so they don't exactly need man to man somebody tracking each guy all the time they know the rough shape of the houston offense and they zone up right now that leaves westbrook completely out cold because now he can't get those isolations he can't get players loaded up on one side to free up space on the other for a driving lane it's a zone he's not going to dribble through that and even if he does lakers have trees to to guard the paint it's just not set up the game isn't set up the way the lakers line up defensively the way houston's offense is flowing there's just no room for westbrook to be westbrook and that's just a waste of a generational talent for me so Yes, Westbrook's having an off game, and that's an MVP caliber player that's having off game after off game. But there's nothing happening to to set him up for success. Not D'Antoni, not the Houston offense, not his teammates, certainly not the Lakers defense. Unless one of these things change, unless Houston kind of molds their offense to to involve Westbrook a bit more, which is a big bet because they'll have to let go of their entire system to accommodate Westbrook. Otherwise, it's just a misfit, and they're going to have to live with it for the series. Absolutely. So Lakers to win today. 
what's your pick yeah i think so i i still firmly believe lakers are favorites i think rockets will make it interesting uh, their best case scenario is to take it to a game 6 but i really think lakers are favorites to win i'd expect them to win in 5 actually all right with that we'll move to the last segment of the day if you had to pick a player of the day who would it be from yesterday was it uh, paul george for turning up getting his incredible scoring night 12 out of 18 shots converted 32 points uh nikola jokic who was running riot yesterday uh, almost a triple double there or probably someone like jalen brown from the earlier game who who bounced back strongly after a pathetic performance in game 4 yeah i mean you couldn't go wrong really with, with any of these picks um i i just for for your selfish reasons i'd pick jokic um because he showed how close they can come and it's just a matter of a couple of key decisions or one two key passes and shots working out and that could have easily been a denver nuggets win so he showed that this team is good enough to come that close and which means they have a fighting shot for the rest of the series even when jamal murray has an off night he showed what he can do he showed how he can bring others into play he showed how he can set up michael porto and all of the other guys with his spacing and then his passing it's it's just a nightmare to defend jokic he proved despite losing the game that this series is not even close to being over every game is going to be a dog fight and he's just thrown the west he's blown it wide open right now and just for that that performance was special absolutely so nikola jokic uh, a player of the day flop of the day we didn't really have too many options right i would say toronto raptors for just refusing to turn up yesterday they were so bad that uh, the fourth quarter was very kind on them that made it seem like a respectable scoreline but it was not i mean they got 28 in the fourth quarter without that they were like like i said earlier in the day they were struggling to score even 60 yeah i'd have to agree with toronto they all season honestly in the uh, i mean all series in this series against the celtics barring those two games one of which i still believe they had no business winning if, if boston didn't <laughs> uh didn't kind of make a mess of their strategy they've really been uh, the shooting is atrocious i can i can forget about every forget about boston's bench strength and their rotations and who's coming who's not jalen brown in out blah 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 whatever you cannot shoot like the toronto raptors is shooting at any point in the playoffs against any team and expect to come away with a victory forget what the other team is doing you cannot shoot like this across the team hot garbage they shot under 40% overall You are not winning a single playoff game with that kind of shooting, and this has been a consistent trend now, barring barring like one aberration. Even the games that they won, they hadn't been shooting very great. They just put up that many more shots. You can't shoot like this and expect to win any playoff series. I I, I think now I think we're ready to see them get bounced out. It would actually be bad for the game if this team somehow squeezes through and wins. If they come up with all world performances, God bless them. But if they squeeze through like this, shooting like this, it's just going to be a miserable Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, whether they play Miami or Milwaukee, they're not going to be able to handle either of those teams. That was an easy pick, the Toronto Raptors. Uh, the play of the day, we had quite a few highlights from yesterday. Uh, the few of them that I can remember, it started off with Pascal Siakam giving a sweet chin music <laughs> to Dominic Thais over there. uh we we saw nikola jokic auditioning for the denver broncos with that insane cross court pass we saw michael porter junior with a monster dunk on the monster montrez harrell but i think at the end of the day kawhi leonard's uh, one fingered block had to get it right yeah yeah easy everything else we've seen before they're all spectacular plays i mean come on michael porter junior's dunk we see that almost once a game with with any good team playing so that's not eh, okay that's cool but not that cool 
Jokic pass, okay, that was, that was pretty special. Just because of the way, it was just one-handed everything. The commentator was talking about how that would make John Elway proud, the legendary quarterback of the Denver Broncos from back in the day, like the 80s and 90s. Forget John Elway. He caught it, so he rebounded it like Odell Beckham Jr. That was a one-handed pickup, spun around, the ball still spinning in his hands, chucks it full court like a quarterback. Special. But nothing as special as blocking a dunk attempt. This wasn't a layup that Kawhi blocked with one finger. He got one fingertip, one single fingertip to a powerful dunk attempt and he blocked it at the rim. And that was a game-winning, game-clinching, clutch, clutch block. The claw man play of the day. Absolutely. I think uh, I think that gives us a good good segue to look out for the games for today. Uh, the Lakers and the Rockets are going to be exciting. Also, the Milwaukee Heat is something I'm looking forward to if Giannis turns up and plays. We'll, uh, we have a lot to catch up on tomorrow then. Yep, sounds like an exciting day. See you tomorrow. Yep, see you.